Will we ever go back under $10,000, Hodler Nort? <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to today's show, the latest edition of Once Bitten. And the guest on the show today is none other than the space cat himself. Uh, Hodlinaut comes on to talk um, all things Bitcoin, the magazine that uh, he's putting together and uh, releasing with um, great success and a big fanfare. Of course, we talk about um, Bitcoin, as you would expect, and um, we go down the rabbit hole of... Um, of the court case and um, how that's affecting uh, his life and uh, really appreciate him you know dwelling on that and um, laying that story out and and, and being so open about it so uh, I hope you enjoy the episode big thanks to Hodler Nort for coming on um, before we get into it you know make sure you start stacking your sats get over to uh, coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten to um, start your journey there and uh, make sure you check out at Friar Hass on Twitter because he has all the details for you where you might be able to find a um, uh, a company, a Bitcoin-only company in, uh, in your country. So um, without further ado, let's get into this. And as always, a big um, hat tip to at 21ism. Go follow them on Twitter and check out the website as well. Let's do it, guys. Hey guys, welcome to today's show and joining us today, very special guest, um, none other than the space cat himself, Mr. Hodlinaut. Uh, Hodlinaut, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, joining us today. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And Lauren is going to ask the, the first question of, uh, of the space cat. And what is I it? hope I say it right. Mm-hmm. Um, so why did you choose the space cat as your avatar? Is it? That's a cool question, uh, and uh, the the answer to that is uh, when I made my Twitter account, uh, I first came up with the name Hodlonot, and uh, that comes from the word astronaut, uh, combined with the word hodl, which basically means to not sell your bitcoins. So I wanted to have some kind of astronaut figure, uh, so I just went out uh, and did a Google search for astronaut, and I think cat astronaut cat and i found this really cool cat that kind of looks like my avatar i have now but kind of not it was basically just this cat with a really funny expression uh, with a space helmet on and uh, inside uh, an astronaut suit so yeah and then i got uh, this really great artist to make a drawing of uh, of the space cat the way i i wanted it to be a bit later okay because the space Cat sticker is like my favorite sticker, so that's why I um, like it. Yeah, uh, Bitco made that, I think. Uh, Bitco Yanovsky, it's a really cool sticker, I think so too. Yeah, that's correct. Big shout out for Bitco for uh, sending those over, and um, yeah, the kids use them. Uh, I've got, uh, one of my daughters has them on her uh, laptop, so w- if she's ever out with friends, then it's a nice little talk point, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's just, just like, what's that on your computer? <laughs> oh, it's just a, a Bitcoin sticker. What's Bitcoin? <laughs> also, there you go. Say hello, to them from, uh, say hello to them from the space cat then when they ask about the sticker. <laughs> now, do, do you have any other questions for, uh, for Hodlin or? My question is, when did you find out about Bitcoin? I found out about Bitcoin first time in, uh, I think it was 2013. And it was just by reading uh, a news article on the internet. And I got really interested in it right away. And since then, I've been uh, falling down the rabbit hole, if you heard that term. Yes, Daddy says it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's a real Um, thing. So when you started um, believing in Bitcoin, um, I was only two. You were two years old, Lauren? Yes, I was two years old. Why Mm -hmm. you? So that makes you nine years old now? Yes. You did the math too. Bravo. (laughs) (laughs) Bitcoiners do that a lot, you know. (laughs) Yeah, because um, they keep count of um, stacking stats. We like numbers, and especially numbers that go up. We do keep number of uh, yeah. We we keep track of how many sats, uh, how many sats in a dollar, how many Bitcoin are available on the market, compared especially to how much fiat money is uh, available oh, in the I market. I have a question for you, mm-hmm. Daddy. Okay. You know, you want money. You want your money to go up, mm-hmm. but you're spending money for it to go up. Like you're buying Bitcoin, mm-hmm. but then. It, I'm really confused with that. Okay. Well, perhaps Hodlinort can help us out. Hodlinort, why, why would we exchange our money um, for Bitcoin? Why, why are we spending our euros or our pounds or our dollars? Basically because uh, we would rather hold uh, Bitcoin because we don't, they don't make any more Bitcoin. There, is a, like, there will never be more than 21 million Bitcoin. I guess you know that from before, Lauren. But uh, our euros and our dollars... They just make more and more of them, so that means that the ones we have will become less and less valuable since there are more and more of them. Uh, mm. so, so that's basically why we would rather have Bitcoin, because they don't make any more of those. And it's better than the banks, because sometimes the banks steal your money, don't they? Yeah, uh, there are yes, many some... <laughs> that's, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very, very true indeed. Yes, sometimes they do. Uh, and another reason, uh, you know, people like myself and Hodlin um, spend our money to to exchange it for Bitcoin is because we believe the value of Bitcoin is going to go up in comparison to the value of our euros, for example. Our purchasing power is going to go up with if we hold Bitcoin, and that appreciates in value, that goes up in value. Do we have time for me to tell a quick story to Lauren? Yes. Sorry, I was just You're going to tell it. Okay, sit comfortably. Hodlin is going to give us a story. Oh, boy. <laughs> because I, re- I remember uh, when I was your age, I was uh, trying to save money. And I was saving in the money we have in Norway, which is called kroner. It's basically, that's, that's the Norwegian money. Like, you guys have euro, right? Um, and I started noticing that the money I was saving, I, I really loved ice cream. And when I went to the shop and bought an ice cream, I was used to this specific ice cream. It cost five kroner. Every year, it started to cost more and more kroner. So, like, after 10 years, uh, I, I couldn't afford uh, 
to buy an ice cream, even if I had almost twice the money that would buy me an ice cream 10 years before. And I noticed this happening every year that the money became less and less valuable and I could get less and less for it. And that really annoyed me. So that's another reason I like Bitcoin, that if I have a Bitcoin, I, I believe that that Bitcoin will buy me more and more ice cream every year. I, I that agree sounds like a good, good one, but um, in, how long did it take for you to understand Bitcoin? Hmm. I don't think I understand Bitcoin fully yet. I think Bitcoin is like this weird magical thing that you will never understand 100%, but you kind of understand it a little bit immediately, and then you understand more and more. And that's why we say that we are falling down the rabbit hole, because we learn something new about it all the time. Why didn't you never tell me that, Daddy? There's there's different things that resonate with different people that help them start to understand Bitcoin. Totally. And you never know what that thing is going to be. Absolutely. <laughs> so with you, hopefully, it's if you like um, like the sats that you're stacking now. I can't imagine how big the ice cream is going to be in ten years that you'll be able to buy with one hundred sats. It would, it, would, think- it would be a cool experiment for you guys if you took uh, your favorite ice cream or your favorite cake, Lauren, and then you guys set aside the amount that costs in fiat money or in euro right now and the amount it costs in Bitcoin right now. And then in a year, you can you can see what you will get for how many ice creams you will get for the Bitcoin that you set aside and how many you will get for the euros you set aside. Well, now we went to this place to, to do a cookery lesson for Daddy's birthday and, uh, oh God, Daddy, big wasp. Yeah, okay. Um... And he teaches us how to uh, make ice cream. So now we don't need to buy ice cream. We just need to make it. That's awesome. even better. So awesome. we can stack sats and homemade awesome. the ice cream. Yeah, don't, <laughs> homemade don't ice cream is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you better, talking of which, you better go and get ready for your party and say goodbye to Hodgson. Yeah, I better go. Okay. Bye. Nice talking to you. Hey, bye, Lauren. Have a great time at the party. Oh, it'll be great. <laughs> Have a great time talking to each other about Bitcoin. Thank you. Thanks, man. Well, yeah, I mean, oh, where do we go? Where do we go from there? Falling down the rabbit hole. Um, yeah. There are so many touch points, so many different touch points that, um, you know, as educators uh, of of this topic, I think it's really difficult to to pin on someone what it is that that might unlock them um but what you're doing with citadel 21 i think is um is amazing so let's first talk about that because you know you you, how many articles for example are going out in each volume Mm, we have had different amounts i think we uh this has been super organic project with uh basically we've been winging it uh as we go totally so I think we have ended up with between the lowest we had, I think was 13 or 14, and the most was probably 18 or 19. So average 15, 16 articles in the four volumes, like in each of the four volumes we had so far. And I, we decided to cap it at 21 articles. Uh, we, need to have a, we need to have a cap uh, somewhere. Uh, yeah, so there's a really a lot of content already out there in these four volumes. 
There is. And, you know, that there's such a varied um, resource. Like the, the different people that are contributing to it is incredible. Um, I mean, how many different contributors have you had so far? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, not, not from the top of my head, but uh, we haven't had that many. Like the vast majority have been uh, non-repeat authors. So I would guess we have had uh, probably more than 50 different authors so far. And this is across, yeah, so so far it's four volumes out already, yeah? Yeah. So for listeners that don't know, what is Citadel 21? I should have perhaps started with that. Yeah, uh, Citadel 21 is, uh, we have dubbed it a Bitcoin cultural scene. Uh, a scene being a magazine uh, of the of the old of the old type, like uh, basically a publication stemming from some kind of subculture. And I would definitely say that Bitcoin uh, is a subculture uh, of its own. And there is me and Bit- uh, Bitcoin Katya, me and Katya, we have been uh, like for a long time been very fond of uh, the cultural side of uh, of Bitcoin and Bitcoiners, uh, as it is expressed on, for example, Bitcoin Twitter, the memes, the the jokes, the the profound insights the analysis of different kinds uh, and how it often uh, has this uh, border edged effect into other other disciplines or other interests. Uh, and basically, there is something kind of intangible that is, that, uh, is common for most Bitcoiners uh, and that can be quite hard to catch. Uh, we're not even sure what it is. Maybe it is that we are in- very independent-minded. Maybe we are critical thinkers. Maybe uh, maybe we have uh, some form of uh, intellectual courage. I'm not sure. Um, maybe we're just curious people. I don't think conformity is a big part among most Bitcoiners, uh, at least. Anyways, we, we kind of saw that all this chaos of signal uh, that swirled around Bitcoin, Twitter and, and the internet in general, uh, it would be cool to kind of uh, publish some of this uh, so it doesn't just disappear uh, when the tweet is forgotten or when the blog post is forgotten, like basically trying to curate the chaos of, uh, of the community, if I can use that word. So, yeah, you touch on something there, which is, yeah, I don't know what it is either. Um, is it critical thinking? Are we just nutters, like random conspiracy theorists? Um, it's very interesting, no matter what it is and if we will ever be able to nail it down, it's it's totally a thing. And because uh, every time I talk to Bitcoiners, I have this feeling of being on the same page Uh and uh, that must come from somewhere. And uh, there is uh, certainly some kind of characteristic that unites us and uh, gives us this feeling of being uh, on the same page together. Now, it's weird because I cross over with um, the homeschooling community and I have the exact same kind of experience. When you when you meet somebody that... that either homeschools their kids or world schools their kids or, you know, 
they're in um, just some form of alternative education. You, there's that like kinship immediately. It's mm-hmm. like, right, I know we're going to get each other because we're kind of facing down this system and the social construct that is around that and is so damn strong and you can't as much as you shout about how change needs to happen, no one's willing to listen. Um, and it's the same going up against like uh, the legacy finance system. Uh, so when I meet when I meet Bitcoiners now, I'm exactly the same. It's like, right, I know you. I know you're going to get it, and we're going to be able to get into some really deep conversations about some really important topics that most people just aren't willing to even consider having. Mm. Yeah, I had I had a similar conversation the other day with a friend. Uh, we were like talking about why is it that uh, we had a kind of a different approach to it. We, we talked about why is it that some of our very intelligent friends who are embedded in, for example, legacy finance and have successful careers, why are they so resistant to Bitcoin, uh, some of them? Uh, why is it like it seems like they are almost having an emotional response to Bitcoin and basically don't want to touch it at all? Uh, and why is it that someone, as far as I understood, you have a, you have a past in legacy finance, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But for you, it didn't work that way. You kind of discovered Bitcoin and <laughs> ditched your old, uh, your old uh, playing field and fell down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. So for, for some people, it seems like, to me, like it has a little bit to do with the privilege they are enjoying in the existing system and uh, basically maybe a fear of a disruptive force in money unsettling some of that position they have or something. I'm not sure, but uh, it's. Uh, I think it's interesting to try and uh, philosophize about why some people fall hopelessly down the rabbit hole and some people seem like they're resisting it as long as possible. Yeah, it's a lot of it comes down to fear, I think. You know, you, it, I, I think... I can't remember who said it originally, maybe Alex Gladstein. Someone certainly said it. You know, Bitcoin holds a mirror up to you. And um, that can be a very, you know, stark realization. Um, Again, facing the same, exiting the school system, you face so much criticism from people that all of a sudden, as soon as you step away from that, it kind of gives them the, like the go ahead, the green light to, judge everything about your parenting abilities and don't you know you're ruining your children's lives and all of this kind of stuff. Um, And I don't know where that is coming from because it's like you take everything they've ever known and everything that they have been taught to believe in and then you just turn that upside down on its head and say, oh, yeah, we're taking our kids out of school um, because, you know, we, we believe there's a better way to educate. It's as if they're compl- like totally offended. And it's really, really weird. And I find the same thing with Bitcoin. When you say, I'm you know, investing in Bitcoin because I think there's a problem with our financial system and the way that governments are just blatantly printing money. There's something broken about it. I'm not fully trusting that. Um, I want something else, and I think this is a really good avenue to go down. Again, it's like 
don't even start, man. Like, you know, it's like, it's almost like, don't get me thinking about something. I don't have the time. Yeah. It's basically, it's very foundational stuff. So starting to stir that or, or look into it at all will, it will lead to a change in, uh, in you and how you organize yourself and basically a lot of the stuff you put your faith in. And uh, personally, I've always been uh, a seeker or I, I always like been uncompromising in my uh, wish for truth. I, I, I would much rather have an uncomfortable truth than a comfortable lie. Uh, and I've always been like that. And uh, uh, yeah, we see it in... All Bitcoiners I, I talk to, they, they all talk about how transformative Bitcoin has been to them far far beyond the level of just uh, understanding or trying to understand Bitcoin on a technical level and stacking and hodling, but it kind of seeps into other parts of our lives. And I think this is uh, so inspiring and cool that uh, there is something, something about having a uh, a really sound and true foundation uh, on the financial level that we can build other stuff on top of that. Just it opens up so many avenues in all directions. It's totally true. And for any uh, you know new listeners that are thinking we're talking like a, a bunch of cheesy nonsense, um, I mean, I'll I'll give you an example of of how it's like changed me just just recently in the last well since December. Um, it's like bam, right, I'm going to hit the gym five times a morning. I'm going to yeah. hire a personal trainer yeah. um, because I don't know where that comes from, but I think it comes from this subconscious like, man, the next 30 to 40 years are going to be awesome and I want to be as fit and as healthy as possible to, to you know, you know, it, it's like the, the future is bright uh, and let's get at it, let's charge at it and let's get healthy and, um, you know, let's live as long as possible. It, 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 makes us in more independent and it makes us more accountable i think and that just spreads uh, for example to us as you talk about like taking uh, responsibility for our our health basically and uh, our physical being uh, which we see a lot of in bitcoin uh, a lot of bitcoiners have like started uh, working on themselves in a physical manner as well as a result of this and it just it's the opposite of the of the old system, in my opinion, where you get this feeling of basically not being uh, being an independent and not, not not having ownership of your own life almost because you're just forced into this horrible debt cycle. And uh, with Bitcoin, it uh, it gives you certainly a vision of uh, of independence in a whole new way, like. For example, like Knut writes about in several ways in his excellent book. Yeah, in yeah his yeah his latest book. Yeah, exactly. Independence reimagined. Yeah, uh, a brilliant book, um, which you and I were both um, uh, lucky enough to get a sneak peek at, and uh, you, know, you wrote the foreword um, and uh, helped with some of the editing. Uh, so it's. Um, you know, that's just another example of coming together and trying to sharpen each other's minds and help get the message across in, you know, a succinct manner. And I'm sure that book alone will go a long way to, to helping people 
uh, fall down the rabbit hole. So is there any, like in your life since 2013, I mean, you're you're seven years into this, um, is there anything like you can put your finger on that kind of like, you know, fundamentally changed in in your habits or your day-to-day or your career choice or what you were doing? Hmm. I I think it has given me perspective uh, most of all. Uh, it's given me like a, uh, I had a really bad feeling about being a part of the old system the, just the feel inflation and how how it seemed so so hard to basically be in command of uh, of your own savings in a in a good way and plan plan your like my, it felt to me like my future was basically being planned more by the government than by myself uh but I, I was already down several other rabbit holes by the time I discovered Bitcoin uh, in nutrition and working out and different kinds of things. So uh, I feel Bitcoin more kind of complemented a lot of other stuff I had in my life and maybe strengthened them. Um, but it made me, it totally made me even more independent than I was before, uh, for sure. And it made me more willing to to not compromise on my independence in uh, different ways. And did you, have you changed your career? Or we were talking off air just beforehand, and which I want to get into that rabbit hole, of course. But was that something um, that you were always doing, or is that something that you you've led up to since becoming a Bitcoiner? Uh, if if I if it made me change my career from uh, from teaching, you mean? Yeah. Oh, you've been. You've always been in that field. Actually, no. Uh, my my first uh, education and uh, career was in uh, in uh, computers. I was a developer for three years, uh, but then I I, I kind of quickly found out that that wasn't uh, something I wanted to do for a living. I think basically I didn't like being locked away in an office in front of a screen programming all day. Uh, I wanted to be more around people and basically have a more dynamic day. So, yeah, I took this uh, teacher's education and uh, uh, started working as a teacher. But uh, like the the later period now, uh, things have happened that I have had to deal with, which has taken a lot of my attention uh, in the sense that uh, I got, uh, I've been legally harassed by by Craig Wright now for 16, 17 months, and uh, that's actually been uh, a lot to work. It, it's basically a constant thing I have to deal with uh, in many ways. So, and I had the had the ability to take some time off my my teacher job. So, yeah. I have been out of that job now for one and a half years, approximately. Right. And for listeners um, that, that aren't like truly kind of clued up on, on what happened there, uh, do you mind just giving a quick overview of, um, of what went down? Yeah, sure. Uh, this whole thing started in, uh, in the spring of uh, 2019 or like the, the first months of 2019 where... Uh, I made some claims on uh, Twitter, or some. Uh, I made my opinions uh, clear on uh, on Craig Wright, 
and uh, a month or so later, I thought well, this was in the the end of March 2019, I received a legal notice on my direct message on Twitter from uh, from a law firm representing uh, Craig Wright, where they made it clear that uh, either I go uh, public, uh, withdrawing my like uh, opinions and uh, and and saying that. Uh, I was mistaken and that uh, Craig Wright is definitely Satoshi and I was to do this in a court or else they will uh, sue me for libel in a, in an English court and they followed up but they didn't have my identity so they followed up with uh, uh, making this article in CoinGeek which is uh, Calvin Ayer's uh, BSV uh, I would call it a propaganda outlet personally where they made this bounty on my identity that they said they would pay $5,000 for the person who found my identity. And they published some pictures of my arm tattoos. And they made like made it clear that I was, uh, I was going to be at this location. Then I was planning to go to Riga to the Balticone Badger and like asking people to look, look out for this person with uh, his sleeves rolled down to hide his tattoos and stuff like that. And, Basically, was a witch hunt, uh, which uh, fortunately for me led into like uh, the biggest outpouring of support I have ever experienced. It was <laughs> just insane. The, this campaign they called "We Are All Hodlonot" with a fundraiser attached to it, and I just felt so much support from the community. But but yeah, they followed through on this, and they through different means that I'm not going to discuss here. They managed to find my identity. And uh, they followed through and sued me in a, in a British court. Uh, has to be mentioned that uh, I didn't just let that happen without being proactive. So I actually, before they managed to formalize their case against me, I sued the Craig Wright from Norway to basically to get the jurisdiction of this whole case here to Norway, where where the liberal laws are much more sane than they are in the UK. <laughs> like, it's nuts. The whole thing is just crazy that, you know, from, from a few tweets. So this character, for those that don't know, this character, Craig Wright, claimed... At some point, I don't know exactly when, uh, perhaps you might be able to help me on the, the exact timing, claimed he was the founder and creator of Bitcoin and claimed to be Satoshi Nakamoto. Yeah, I think he initially started, at least he started going public with these claims, I believe in 2015. Man, crazy. And what, um, so is, is, is this is still ongoing or? Oh yeah, 100%. Uh, no, 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 not even close. Unfortunately, this is something I have oh. to deal with uh, for a long time still. And uh, I can just give uh, like uh, a quick overview of what's happened. And uh, uh, I, I, I sued him from Norway to get the case here. So this is so far, it's been a battle of jurisdiction, basically. And the Norwegian court ruled that they have jurisdiction on this and that the case should go in Norway. Uh, Craig Wright uh, appealed that. I mean, in my opinion, this is all about harassment. So they just want this to drag on for as long as possible. 
he appealed that decision and uh, he lost the appeal. Uh, but now it seems he is intending to appeal that to the Supreme Court here in Norway. And he also lost the decision in the UK court. Like the UK court said that Norway has jurisdiction. He lost that. And uh, obviously he appealed that decision to win the UK. So only when all these appeals over the jurisdiction are done, then can we move on to the real case. Uh, whether or not I have defamed uh, Greg Wright with uh, my tweets. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's surreal. It's uh, it's been a real eye opener <clears throat> to see how the justice system works, and that if you have a lot of money, uh, it's possible to harass people to no ends uh, within the this justice system, and you can you can drag it on for basically as long as you want. It seems. And I mean, where do, I don't know anything really about this guy. Like, uh, where is his cash coming from? Do you have any idea? Does he have any kind of weird backing, or is he like this self-made yeah. millionaire? And it seems uh, apparent to me that uh, Calvin Air is funding all of this. And who is that? <laughs> uh, Calvin Air. He is uh, the former like. He made this gambling empire called Bodog. It was this huge mastodon of uh, online gambling. So he made, uh, I believe he's a bit, uh, not a Bitcoin, but uh, a dollar billionaire. Uh, he's been in some very serious brushes with the law in, uh, in the US. I think he was on FBI's most wanted list at some point for money laundering or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think people. I, I don't know too much about the guy. He's uh, very invested in this BSV uh, coin, that uh, Bitcoin Satoshi's vision that they have made together. And uh, yeah, he seems to be very invested in uh, in making uh, making the world believe that Craig Wright is Satoshi and that. Uh, BSV is the true Bitcoin. So, and some somehow, um, like uh, you, you had like the community come in and um, stick by you um, in in many different ways, right? Um, could you give um, the listeners like a, a little kind of insight into you know what was going on, like the support you felt? Yeah, it was uh, it was heartwarming. For sure, and I never would have imagined that such support would come. Because, of course, when uh, out of the blue I suddenly had this uh, very well-funded and organized uh, machine attacking me, I would say, like both uh, legally and uh, they made uh, uh, they made this uh, this article in CoinGeek uh, doing a putting a bounty on my head or my identity's head. And uh, we had, I saw people all over Twitter, like running around in my home city, look, basically looking for where I was to claim this bounty. And there were pictures posted of uh, people they thought, is this him? They posted pictures of neighborhoods uh, here in my city, like go, maybe he's here, maybe he's there. Uh, horrible stuff, I would say. Uh, 
so uh, when this immediate backlash came, uh, I mean, part of this backlash was that Binance delisted the BSV, like was a part of it. Uh, uh, it was so massive, just both from, basically from everyone in, in the space. And uh, so when I was at home here, feeling a little under the weather from all this uh, these threats and uh, and uh, the bounty and uh, and all the ugly stuff that was happening and when i suddenly saw that people on twitter uh, at, at at one point it seemed to me like everyone on twitter had my had my avatar and was tweeting out that they were hodl not and uh, and then this fundraiser happened and the money just uh, streamed in from that to uh, to help with the legal expenses and uh, it was massive and it was it really touched me I mean I won't lie I actually had a tear streaming down my cheek one evening uh, when I was when I was reading this stuff and seeing what was happening it was uh, it, it really really was uh, one of the realest things I've ever experienced it was crazy I can imagine man like, just complete random strangers sending you, I'm assuming they were sending you some sats just to, like, um, show their support. Yeah, it was a fundraiser organized. I think the website is still up, by the way. We are all hodlonote.com, which was organized by Elizabeth Starkness from Lightning Labs and uh, Rockstar Dev from BTC Pay Server and uh, several other people who came together and made this super cool website with uh, powered by BTC pay server accepting donations for for this for this cause so it was it was very organized and the merch was produced with all the all the profit from the merch was given to this case or to this cause like uh, art was created and sold uh, that was donated to me and uh, so I think this whole thing raised something like tw at least well above $20,000 in something like a week. <laughs> wow. And, you know, dare I ask, um, how much further do you think this is going to go and how much more, like, of your of your money is this going to drain? Because this is... You know, I, I feel for you. Um, how do you have any idea? What I can say is, uh, I mean, I think I, th I think I can say that this whole ordeal is uh, exponentially more expensive than most people can imagine. It's uh, it's just ridiculous, just ridiculous the amount of money it costs to defend yourself from something like this. It's uh, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and uh, I have been uh, fortunate enough to be to have received some help. Uh, there are some awesome people in this space that uh, wanted to support me. So, uh, so far it's, uh, it's been, uh, I like, I've, I managed to, to keep this defense going and I hope that will continue and uh, in in terms of how long it will go on I'm prepared 
I think the most likely scenario is that it will continue for a couple of years from here. Wow. Well, um, is the site still up? The, I'm 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 looking at it now. So it, if I want to throw in some sats, or is it? Do I have to wait for? The site is still up, but it's closed for donations. So I guess it's up mostly to serve as like uh, I don't know uh, uh, in in memory of of the of the whole thing. Uh, but uh, at the moment, I'm not accepting or asking for donations in in regards to this defense. I will I will to if it if it becomes necessary, I will totally totally do it again. But at at the moment, uh, I'm not doing it. All right, man. Well, you know, yeah, I, I think I speak for everybody. Um, you know, I, I didn't, uh, um, I wasn't really paying attention the first time around, so I didn't get to donate. I 100% would have done, and I'd love for you to open it up again um, so I can. Um, but, you know, when, when need be, and I'm sure there's many more, new people that come into the space and will listen to this and, you know, will have the same kind of feeling. So, yeah, don't ever feel as though uh, you shouldn't open it up. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for the, for the support. And how does, um, how does like, uh, somehow the, the, the story weaves in with, um, with Peter McCormack as well in the UK because he's facing uh, the same kind of challenge against uh, this guy. Yeah, he's uh, basically... A little bit ahead of me in the in the process of this, since uh, he has not contested the jurisdiction. So they basically moved straight to the. Also, they had this identity from the get go. So that case has progressed a bit further. I think they are actually going to court now. In is it October? I think there are at least some dates set in that case now that are not too far ahead. Um, so things are going to, I mean, the, the case Craig Wright is involved in, in the U S in Florida, I think that has a court date mid, mid October. Uh, and it doesn't look very good for him, uh, in my opinion. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, uh some of this stuff, uh, will be resolved or like become very apparent through this Florida case and through Peter's case in the UK. So is the Florida case um, Satoshi related as well, or is that a completely different? That's uh, you could say it's Satoshi related. It's basically this this deceased guy called uh, Dave Kleiman, who uh, had some uh, <clears throat> he had some uh, interactions with Craig Wright uh, back in the day. I think it was twenty thirteen or something, and. Part of Craig's story about how he is Satoshi is that he basically created it with Dave Kleiman, this deceased guy. And uh, Dave's brother, Ira Kleiman, he uh, has uh, he filed suit against Craig Wright claiming that he wanted half of his Bitcoins since uh, Craig is saying he created Bitcoin with uh, his brother. So it's just this huge, uh, huge mess of a lawsuit that's been going on for several years uh, and which has uh, uncovered uh, just a massive amount of uh, uh, forgeries and lies from uh, Craig Wright's side in this case to the point that uh, the judges there like, has in, in public court documents have uh, made some, some very 
damning uh, descriptions of uh, Craig's uh, credibility and uh, and conduct. Uh, so, yeah, in my opinion, it's a, it's a case based on a on a false premise. You know that Craig is owning millions of Bitcoin. Uh, so it's it's just a a very 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 strange and uh, weird case going on there. But it will be resolved uh, now soon. So it will be interesting to see what comes out of it. I don't think it will be a good uh, good day for Craig Wright when the final decision is handed down. There. So if if he's found like uh, you know like guilty, I suppose in that case, and ended up um, you know uh, sent to prison, does that then like just nullify your case? There will be no prison sentence in this Florida case because it's a civil case. Uh, it's not it's not a criminal case. So basically, there are the one outcome is that Craig is uh, the judge uh, orders that Craig pays Ira half of the value of a couple of million Bitcoin or a million Bitcoin. Oh. Uh, I'm coming into a bull run, <laughs> <laughs> which will be uh, very oh. problematic for Craig Wright to achieve. Oh uh, man, where's oh. that orange dot plan B? Let's go, let's go. <laughs> yeah, and the and the other uh, the other outcome is basically that uh, the judge says that uh, we don't see. We don't see you guys having created Bitcoin at all, or something like that. Like that, I know. I, I, I mean, it, both sides had the interest of making it seem like these guys created Bitcoin. You know, since Ira wanted the money from Craig Wright, and Craig Wright wants to make it seem like he created Bitcoin. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a huge dumpster fire, to be frank. And the only people getting rich are the lawyers. Oh, yeah, they're getting so rich from that. That's mad. All right, mate. Well, um, yeah, thanks Thanks for sharing. Um, I didn't, I, you know, I, I wasn't expecting to, you know, drag you all the way back through that rabbit hole. Um, it's obviously hard to speak about. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I mean, all of the stuff I've said here, I've been kind of public about when it happened on Twitter. I haven't embellished on it before, but it's pretty much public. Uh, publicly available stuff through my tweets and uh, and stuff. So, yeah, this is where we stand now. And uh, one thing is for sure, 100% for sure, and that was clear to me from day one, I, I will never back down on this. I will completely 100% stand for what I've tweeted and uh, I will see this through in court 100%. And you know you have the backing now. Uh, that and the best thing is, there's more backers coming, right? As more Bitcoiners uh, are created, um, the people standing behind you is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yep, I think so. And I, I mean, there is already. I don't. I don't feel like I need anything more. Almost, it's like uh, I think more, everyone realizes that this is. I did never ask to be in this position and I would prefer to not be in this position obviously but when I first ended up in this position I'm I feel it's my absolute duty to see it through and to stand firm and uh, basically do this job for all bitcoiners I think 
I can't imagine the party that's that's coming your way oh. when <laughs> when this is all resolved. There will be a party for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to uh, something a bit more upbeat. Um, our our close friend Knut, um, he. I told him I was uh, going to be uh, speaking with you today, and uh, he shot straight back at me. He's like, ask him if he's ever read Mises. Now, I don't know why or what's behind that. So um, do you know what he's getting at? Answer is no. I never read Mises. The, the closest thing I came to reading Mises was listening to uh, this long, long audio version of... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography uh, uh, narrated by Arnold himself uh, it's like 16 hours or something I'm not the, I'm not the hugest Arnold fan I think it's, it's just an interesting character I just ended up starting listening to this podcast when I was working out and I just kept on doing it but uh, he was a huge Mises fan uh, and he basically through this biography tells his uh, his whole life story and how he uh, how he uh, be- became a Republican and uh, even if Nixon was the, the dude uh, in charge then. And uh, he talked quite a lot about Mises and he actually interacted with him on a personal level as well, became good friends. Uh, so I kind of know a little bit, a bit about the core, the core teachings or how he how he operated or wait through Arnie I love it <laughs> I, I hope I'm talking about uh, the same guy now I suddenly got a little bit uh... well no no me Ludwig of course it's not Mises I mean this was Mises teachings it was this uh, what's the name of this uh, this monetary theorist in the in the US at that time I basically talked about the wrong guy now <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, no, so I, never, I, I, I never read Mises. That's why. That's probably why I cannot asked. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so what's um, what's next for uh, for Citadel Twenty One? Where, where do you see this growing? Um, what's the kind of um, the? It's you know, it, when you start one of these projects, you always start off with an idea in your mind, and then bam like the, the market will take it somewhere else. Uh, have you already felt uh, a pull in a different direction or, you know, support from somewhere you weren't expecting? Um, as, as to which direction we want to take Citadel 21? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very important for me and Katja to, to not force any direction on this project because it that's basically... It's all about trying to be organic and not filter it and uh, staying true to to this project as in trying to bring out voices that of all kinds in the community. Uh, we have had a lot of requests for physical copies uh, to make, make the magazine physical and uh, that people can order it and get... Uh, get these awesome covers on paper back home to drink their coffee and uh, enjoy on the couch. And that is something we really want to do, and that's something we are doing. So I guess uh, 
seeing how many people have requested that has made us do that faster than we would have done otherwise. But now it seems like we will be producing a physical copy of our first volume really soon. Uh, hopefully bringing it out for sale within a, within a month or so. Is it going to be scarce? Is it going to be like 21 copies only? It's, it's going to be scarce. It's, it's not going to be 21. <laughs> then, uh, then I would take everyone off the market immediately. But uh, it's going to be a, a, a limited run. And uh, even then, uh, it will be... I mean, this this is a risk for us. It's, it's, it costs quite a lot of money to get all the design done and, and print this thing. So we are basically putting quite a good sum of money at risk by doing it. So, so uh, of course, we have to limit how big that risk is. So it looks like we will be, yeah, I'm not going to give away the number now, but it will be a limited print run for sure. Excellent. No spoilers. I love it. Um, now, the other day you sent out a tweet um, around um, the, the, the flash crash, the recent flash crash. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it reads, I'll just repeat myself one more time, do not trade, stay humble, stack sats. Uh, my condolences to everyone who lost their hard-earned sats to this shenanigans, expensive lesson. For those yeah. people coming into the space or those that have been here a couple of years or whatever and are, you know, considering flirting with, you know, perhaps offloading some of their sats when they see these, um, these like, little run-ups like we had the other day, um, can we just make sure that we get your message across to as many people as possible and your thoughts around um, you know, not doing that? Yeah, I mean, uh, this market is very, very, very obviously manipulated. I mean, in the sense that certain people are seemingly fully able and willing to move the market 10% or more in any direction at any point in time. Meaning that uh, if you are, I mean, leverage trading is obviously where the real damage is at and where the, I don't think you can go wrong long-term just buying Bitcoin and holding it, but trying to time this market, in my opinion, is uh, you have the odds stacked against you. And uh, if you are, mad enough to go on BitMEX and start doing leverage trading, maybe even 10x leverage trading or even higher, you will wake up to an email from uh, Arthur Hayes saying that you got liquidated uh, at one at some point, that's for sure. And uh, I have uh, some really deep scars myself from <laughs> losing sats on trading, so I've completely stopped doing it uh, because it it's basically fueled by greed and uh, I don't think I don't think uh, that greed uh, I don't think it's necessary I mean why not just stay humble and stack sets and sleep sleep well and just uh, let number go up technology deal with this on a longer time frame instead of continuously putting yourself in harm's way of these shenanigans like instant uh, 10% drop for no for no reason had you ever had any um, prior experience to to like uh, financial markets or trading before you came into Bitcoin? Yeah, a little bit. I had some uh, done a little bit of stock trading a uh, long time ago, and uh, I had some positions in gold 
had some positions in oil, uh, but nothing big at all. And uh, I would say very limited understanding and uh, experience with trading. But uh, I have done uh, a bit of trading in uh, quite a bit, I would say, and uh, made some some very good moves. Uh, and uh, looking back, like all the good moves I made have been based on on a hardcore conviction in Bitcoin. Like for example, the moment. Uh, the moment we had the Bcash split, I was able to convert, uh, split and convert all my Bcash on the first day. I think I got like 0 0.14 Bitcoin per uh, Bcash or something, uh, which was like an instant 14% increase of my stack, you know. Uh, and uh, also, uh, in the whole uh, Segwit2x debate, when there was Bitfinex made this made this instrument uh, where you could basically bet on uh, if uh, which which side won, basically, like uh, if it's if if the BTC chain was going to continue or if the if the Segwit2x chain was going to be the winner. And, uh, that's also like it was easy for me to take sides on that because I I've always believed in uh, in Bitcoin and. Uh, I, it, it, it's been a very binary thing for me. Either, either we like 2017 was such an amazing year. Uh, that's when my belief was absolutely calcified into. I'm, I'm 100% sure now that uh, Bitcoin is actually doing this. There's no stopping us anymore after we after we beat that uh, corporate attack with the Segwit 2x. Now we, as we sit, as we're talking, I've got Clark Moody up. And uh, we're at $11,148 in US dollar terms. Um, will we ever go back under $10,000, Hodler not? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> how, many, how many times is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, like, there is a couple, I mean, it totally was a meme. For a long time, uh, it, yeah, I mean, yeah, completely. Uh, like um, for, for those for those that might be wondering what the hell we're talking about, um, you know, I don't want to just brush over these memes because they're you know Bitcoin memes move so fast. I've missed so many, um, so I have a lot of uh, empathy for those people. Um, what is the what is the hodlin or bit? You will never see Bitcoin under ten thousand dollars again. Meme all about how did it become? I think it's a uh, it's a pretty interesting thing because I tweeted that out like a couple of weeks ago or a week ago or something that uh, I believed it every time and that's true <laughs> that's 100% true because <laughs> I've never I've never had the ability to believe that Bitcoin could possibly be valued lower in a day than it's right now you know uh, I think it's so severely undervalued that I have a hard time believing that we are not way higher right now. That being said, uh, I think the first time I wrote this was like, and that, then it was like not a meme at all. It was just like an honest tweet, like this is totally the last time. We will never see Bitcoin below $10,000 again. Uh, but then we, we saw Bitcoin well under $10,000 again and pretty soon even. And I continued writing this, uh, like the next time I said it again, like with full conviction and basically it, it hadn't become a meme yet. And I said it, uh, uh, 
calling it again or something. This is totally the last. We'll never see if it could be below 10k again. And uh, uh, I was uh, obviously getting a lot of ridicule and stuff when Bitcoin got back under. And uh, at that point, like after a couple of times or three times, it started becoming a meme. And then I was incentivized to keep doing this every time. But I would say at least half, maybe 60-70% of the people who read these tweets were not aware that I was saying it in a meme way. So they started making this like this chart of all the time I had called this wrong and basically making me into a counterindicator. And I'm sure a lot of people was shorting my call now this last time because uh, <laughs> I think I, I've called it something like eight or ten times maybe in total. Uh-huh. Uh, and and also like a lot of really angry people have uh, have turned turned up after we have gone below like basically accusing me of uh, manipulating the market or taking their sets. So <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think all the emotion I've seen uh, coming out of this meme uh, is just a, mo- a bigger testament to the wisdom of. Just stay humble, stack sets, don't trade because people get wrecked all the time. And uh, there is so, so many tears and so much salt and regret from people who have lost their hard-earned sets by trading. So my advice, if you are not, if you don't know that you are, you have the edge and you are an excellent trader, stay the hell out of it. Just stack and hold. Who can have an edge in this market? It's just like, yeah, it's... Ridiculous. At least who can have an edge and uh, and and good sleep? And is it really worth it to to put yourself in that kind of continuous stress? Because we have this long winded sideways periods where it just doesn't do shit, and then bam, you get this elevator death candle or huge green dildo just wrecking people left and right. It's so brutal. It's just. Uh, and some people, the people who who have the no, are in the know of these moves, which I am sure there there are certain individuals who are. They they are the one who just increase their stacks on on the backs of these uh, poor uh, poor plebs trying to win big on Bitmex. What do you think about the the DCA movement and how that's going to help? Um, kind of raise the price floor? Uh, I really I don't see any anything uh, any argument against DCA I think it's an excellent strategy and uh, I think it it fosters even more of taking the more of the emotion out of out of uh, accumulating and holding Bitcoin you just decide that I have conviction in this asset I want to accumulate and uh, then DCA is just a no-brainer way of uh, spreading your your stacks, basically, and uh, avoiding or averaging in at a, in a good way, and uh, avoiding the chance of going in too hard on a on a peak. Yeah, it's um it's the best way to do it, and uh, I hope anyone listening certainly um takes heed and. Uh, sets up some kind of um, set it and forget it DCA service in whichever country they're in um, and just, you know, lay on your hammock. Just let that do the work. Um, 
Check back in five years. You'll be fine. Hopefully. Uh, because, uh, I mean, hodling shouldn't be hard. If you, there is some kind of turn, corner you turn down in your rabbit hole journey where hodling becomes the simplest thing in the world. And uh, DCA is, uh, is basically a rational follow-through on that. Yeah, it's just like having your, your, your personal assistant stack your sats for you. Yeah. You know, that's the best kind of analogy I can uh, I can find. All right, man. Well, let's talk um, one last thing, um, which you've been talking about as well recently, is um, looks like you might be up in your privacy game and you've gone Graphene OS. Um, how's that rabbit hole been? And um, anything that you can uh, share with people? Any thoughts around that? Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, I mean, I'm still in the beginning of my journey on Graphene. I haven't... Uh... I mean, at the moment, I'm doing dual phone. Uh, so I have my graphene device, and I still have my old uh, old uh, tracked device. <laughs> <laughs> so it will be a gradual transition for me, totally. But uh, this is the first time I've had an Android device in a long time, and uh, it's just, it makes me think, why the hell didn't I do this sooner in many ways, uh, but like the difference in uh, Bitcoin stuff available for Android uh, compared to iOS is just ridiculous. Uh, I would say if you want to do this, if you want to to try to go as uh, private as possible on your phone, uh, and it seems to me like buying a Google Pixel the Google Pixel 3, 3a is a good choice. I bought the 3a XL. I like a little bit bigger phones. And uh, put Graphene OS on it. It uh, it really is, uh, it's a little bit daunting because you need to flash it. You need to do some command line stuff. Uh, the thing is that uh, Matt O'Dell made this awesome, awesome tutorial. I guess you can link it in this his show notes, mm-hmm. uh, where he just takes you through the steps. You need to be on Linux, though, and that was that was. Uh, I tried to do it on Windows first, and uh, I think I came as possible, as close as it's possible to come to completely and irreversibly bricking my brand new phone. I was hundred percent sure it was bricked. I <laughs> I managed to bring it back from the absolute brink of disaster uh it was completely responsive in in all ways for a for a good while and i had this last last shot on how to bring it back and i managed to do it but then i used linux and uh i successfully put graphene os on it in a matter of 20 minutes using matodel's guide and uh, it really feels good there is something this uh, dynamic between what is uh, comfortable and uh, and easy and just works, but makes us uh, absolutely susceptible to being tracked uh, in every orifice. Uh, it's it's interesting, and I, I've, I've fallen victim to a little bit of this comfort uh, thing for a while, like. Uh, 
do I really need all this? Prov is it necessary? But I think it's, I think it's necessary to follow through, and uh, I will be moving hundred percent to Graphene and Linux uh, in the period ahead. Right, that's something then you got me thinking about as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, why would we? It's it's absolutely horrible the way we are being tracked, and when the tools are available for us to reclaim that independence, uh, what's the reason to not do it really? Apart from it's it's uncomfortable, you know. It's uh, it's basically its own little rabbit hole that will need that will demand from us to to make some adjustments and learn some new shit and experience discomfort in being thrown into this where everything is new and you have to do things a different way. But I think I think it's it's I had this weird like little bit of bad. Uh, What's the word? Uh, I felt a little bit bad that I haven't followed through on this earlier because I, I've always known it deep inside that it's not good to let myself willingly be tracked like I do to the point of mm. to the point of still uh, still using Google for searches and stuff. It's it's just stupid. So yeah, I I, I recommend everyone draws the line uh, and starts uh, taking their independence back also in that regard. Yeah, it's definitely the next step for me as well. Um, yeah, I don't know why it's so difficult. Why Why are we resisting it? We know, like, it's yeah. just so basic. It, it's, it's, just a lot, it's just a lot of hassle, you know? Just, you start... That's it, and you, yeah. And looking at, at the problem for me, which is like, what, what, what has happened is that I start in my mind, yeah, it would be really cool to make the jump. And then I start thinking, what would I need to do to make the jump? And then I start thinking of all the apps, all the apps I'm using. I'm using that app and that app is, it works so good for me. And I have like, I have it all set up and I have like, uh, I don't know, it, my mind is not able to immediately give me the whole route I need to go because it's too big. And then it's very easy to just know this is just too much work. I can't do it right now. But in reality, it's just a road you have to start walking, I think, and then take one step at a time in the right direction. So on this on this new device then, on this graphene, can you, can, for example, people probably use daily like um, banking apps or um, um, obviously Bitcoin wallets, I'm assuming you can use on there? Yeah, um, you, can, you can use anything, you, anything that, Exist for and this is basically and right. Android with all the evil stuff removed. Right. Okay. Uh, thing is that these apps can have their own uh, own tracking independent of mm -hmm. your OS. Uh, the beauty there is that there exists this special version of the Android Store, which gives you a full overview of what kind of tracking the app does before you install it, so you can at least make a very informed decision on that before you put it on your phone. And like, if you need to use a banking app and that app has some kind of tracking that's not possible to remove uh, or reserve yourself from, I think it's still defendable to have that app on your phone and use it when you need. And then you just close the app. And uh, I mean, you, st you will still have a very conscious knowledge of what kind of tracking you were exposed to. 
And like, really dumb question, like something like um, like a navigation app, like um, obviously Google Maps or something is going to track every step you take. Mm-hmm. Um, is there something equivalent there that you can use? Because you know, yeah. uh, that, it has to know where you are. <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, there are options. I haven't really looked into the map thing yet, but I think I read there are some kind of uh, basically. Uh, that you download the map on your phone, basically. And somehow you're not connected to any service, so the the, nav- like, the phone is not giving the location away to, to some external... You're basically using map data on your phone combined with your you knowing where you are, basically. But I, I'm not 100% on that, so don't take my... Don't quote me on that. But I think options exist to do map services in a, at least a much better way than through Google Maps. Right. Random rabbit hole we got into there. But um, I think I, I, maybe you... Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you think? Do you think there's going to be, like, the next five to ten years, huge amounts of different companies being created, entrepreneurs coming into space, purely privacy-focused, and are going to be going, you know... Guns blazing to try and disrupt the, you know what what we've you know what we kind of born into right into the internet age um, just giving up all of these names and addresses dates of birth credit card numbers uh, you know it, you look back on it now and you're like what were we thinking but at the time it was yeah it seems legit like yeah, of course they would need to know I mean especially if you're buying something from Amazon they need payment and they need to deliver it to you mm-hmm. so yeah. Uh, do, you, do you think we're going to see more companies created around privacy? I'm not sure. I mean, uh, I think like monetization will kind of be difficult, right? Or, or I, I would I would guess. Uh, thing is, what makes me <clears throat> happy to see is projects like BTC Pay Server, for example, who that legendary tweet by Nicholas Dorier when BTC Pay made uh, some kind of absolutely horrible statement uh, about uh, how they were going to conduct their business in a a very anti-Bitcoin matter, where he wrote something like, uh, we will will make you obsolete. And the BTC Pay server has followed through on that, and the product they deliver today, which is 100% open source, uh, free, just an amazing product uh, tailored to the highest principles of Bitcoin uh, without being funded by traditional methods. It's so amazing to see these brilliant principled people working in an idealistic manner to, to promote this revolution, basically. So, yeah, I think most of this innovation will have to come from basically these heroes, these selfless heroes who want to, who who is doing it for the right reasons and are not primarily incentivized by money. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. Let's hope so. Watch this space. Okay, man. Well, final question time. Uh, If you had one red pill left to give to someone, who would you give it to and why? (laughs) It's that question. Mm. <laughs> I remember, 
I forgot that you were going to ask it to me, and I remember a lot of people have answered Joe Rogan. That would probably mm -hmm. be my answer, but it's. I think I will go with the, what is. Uh, this guy is probably already orange pilled without acknowledging it, and this, I'm sure he's been mentioned before. But I'm going to say Elon Musk. Then. Right. Yeah. Another. Uh, yeah. Another favorite. Um, I'm a huge fan. I'm such a fan of Elon. It's. Uh, I can't even begin to tell how big of a fan I am. I really love that guy and he he, uh, he brings me a lot of hope basically to see one person being able to make all the things happen that he has done. Yeah, it's it's a tough one to watch when when people, you know, try and tear him down on Twitter. I, I don't um, understand it. I, I really don't understand it. Yeah, calling him um, like a, a scam and a liar and uh, I don't know whatever else. What you know, it's it's kind of like, and I I asked um, Jason uh, Williams about this because uh, you know he and um, he and Pomp are huge Tesla bulls, and and Mark their their partner is a huge Tesla bear. And mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, how do those conversations go? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it must be very hard for this smart guy lately. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's the thing with Elon. He, it doesn't seem like he's faced by all the negativity. He just keeps trucking on and uh, delivering, 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 delivering. Did you order a pair of the short shorts? Mm, no, what's that? They um, they released um, uh, Tesla short shorts. You know how they do the merch <laughs> sometimes? Just to like poke fun at I, some of their detractors. I didn't even see them, but that sounds hilarious. If it's still possible to order them, I, I will. Oh man, sold out! Like the website was crashed. Uh, um, they're, they're like um, they're like Baywatch Red, oh. and um, it's kind of a little uh, jab. Well, it's not kind of. It's a huge jab at the uh, the market shorts. The, these hedge funds that just keep getting wrecked on the um, yeah. you know on the on the blowout price. Yeah. And uh, so, obviously, I think it's just brilliant. Uh, I mean, they sold out of the flamethrowers and, you know, when they were trying to fund um, some more cash for Boring Company. Yeah. Um, and it makes me think, you know, a little bit, it's, it's a little bit like, you know, what, what you're going through, right? Um, you know, it, people are willing to fund something that, that they believe in and they want to be a part of. Um, and, you know, just buying a pair of short red shorts from from a company, um, if that's going to help them in some way, um, whether it's like raising awareness or putting a little bit of cash in the uh, yeah. in, in the coffers, uh, I think it's it's just great fun. It's just awesome. It's 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 that way that Elon, the culture Elon has put into these companies, which is does not take itself seriously at all, and uh, it uh, keeps it uncompromisingly real in my opinion and it uh, I have to like one thing that I would say is the thing that moved me the most or moved me the most like I thought was most brilliant was when they sent uh, the Tesla <clears throat> it was a Model 3 was it uh, out into space oh it's the new Roadster it was, it's, it's, roadster. it's the Roadster yeah. that's right it's still it's yep. floating around there right now uh, yeah and on the parts, on every part in that car, they stamped made on Earth by humans and they sent the car out into space. And to me that shows like such a vision and such a perspective that the world is basically sore, <coughs> sorely lacking. That uh, 
we are uh, we are this planet and we are this brilliant humans on it capable of of uh, of doing stuff like that and to me it's so so uniting and so opposite of all the devilish divisive bullshit going on today on on the planet what he did there with uh, basically with his own made technology send uh, a car he basically made himself out and uh, stamping on every part of it that is made on earth by humans i think it's just amazing so if we fast forward 15 years uh bitcoin's probably hundreds of thousands uh per per dollar you're the space cat <laughs> people are flying to mars what's going on are you in yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean uh, i'll do it uh yeah life's an adventure right uh i think i, I mean i love my family so it wouldn't be forever, but definitely... They'd have to come, I guess. I think it's a four-year journey or something, right? They're, yeah, they're I, guess, I guess I have to bring my family in. Uh, I, would, I would love to do something like that, to have such, such a mind-blowing uh, psychedelic uh, experience as actually leaving Earth for a new planet. I would have to think about it, but like my initial response is, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, it'd be crazy, huh? And, you know, it's... <laughs> The fact that we're talking about it blows my mind, and the fact that we both know it's going to happen. Yeah, and the fact like, the fact that the company like SpaceX, which has, which are, have, are now delivering astronauts to the International Space Station, they've uh, built uh, completely revolutionary rocket technology. They they land autonomously their own rockets after use, and their mission statement of the whole company is to inhabit Mars. That's uh, <laughs> that's very special and uh, very amazing and uh, very inspiring in many ways. So huge, huge respect to Elon Musk. And what currency will they use? They will use Bitcoin. Right? <laughs> Just of course. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw a twi- some Twitter thread starting to like discuss how that would work with Bitcoin on Mars, with uh, block propagation and uh, stuff like that. I guess uh, we will have to rely on some new technologies to sort that for us. Yeah, truly interesting stuff. Well, what a, what a place to leave it. The space cat himself um, outlining how he's going to go to Mars and uh, and use Bitcoin. Um, I really appreciate your your time today, man, and uh, you know sharing everything that you shared with us. And... Um, yeah, making us think a little bit deeper about what's going on and uh, and the future of Bitcoin. Um, do you want to throw any predictions out there? Other than you will never see the price below $10,000 again. Is there anything um, else you foresee? Like price prediction-wise, I always say that uh, I only have expertise at one price level. That's, te- <laughs> that's 10K and we're past it. So uh, I'm, I'll leave it with saying I'm just, uh, extremely bullish on Bitcoin. Extremely, extremely bullish on Bitcoin, and extremely bullish on Bitcoiners. I was really cool talking to you. As the feel, same feeling I have always when I talk with Bitcoiners. It's just uh, the time flies, and uh, feels like I've uh, known you guys forever, even if I never spoke with you before. Yeah, it uh, it certainly does, and uh, very much look forward to bumping into you one day in in real life. I'll be. Um 
running around looking for a guy that might have his <laughs> sleeves rolled down uh, and with a Norwegian accent. Exactly, exactly. But I'm sure I'll find your you. Do, your, do, your dogs, so so I'll uh, I'll, I'll nudge <laughs> yes. you and we'll have a beer together. Absolutely, man. I really look forward to that. And uh, thanks again. Thanks so much. Thank you, Daniel. Hey guys, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that one with Hodlinort and that um, meandering journey through his um, his last like three to five years, I suppose, of uh, falling down the rabbit hole and um, the whole mess that uh, turned out with this um, with this court case and how that's affecting his life. It's just so unfair. Um, I think it's just so amazing the the way that the community responded and will continue to respond as it grows to um to help him and uh see him through it but um you can never take away like the uh the lasting effect that's going to have when when you know basically people were just trying to ruin your life for for no apparent reason um really appreciate him going deep into that I, I didn't know the story that deep and yeah, I, you know retrospectively thinking about it now it's I, I hope it's going to be something that you know he, he can build on and find strength from clearly he is I mean w- with um, the, the magazine that he's putting out now getting very very good traction at um, at this point I think um Five volumes have been released and attracting more and more people. If you look at the contributors, these are people now that are coming out of the woodwork. These aren't like um, the, the just all big names in like uh, the Bitcoin space. This is really now a, a platform for taco plebs, if you want to call yourselves that, uh, Bitcoin lurkers, to reach out to people like Hodlin or, um, who are doing this or the 21ism guys that are also putting together their, um, their magazine and um, their Bitcoin art collective. This gives a platform for people that are out there in the wings that probably want to have a voice, want to um, contribute to some way in the community. And this is the perfect place to go and to start that journey. So go check it out for sure. It's brilliant work. And, um, you know, thanks to, to Hodlinort for all of the hard work he's put into doing that and, um, you know, bringing it all together. Um, he got tripped up halfway through the interview, which uh, you might remember. It was Milton Friedman that he was talking about with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, there's a cool YouTube clip of Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the day um, talking about it. I, I might fish that out and put that in the show notes. Uh, kind of um, ironic that uh, Arnie himself being Austrian talking about um, how he escaped Austria because of its um, socialistic uh, <laughs> structure and uh, fled to America for a free life, um, which is now obviously questionable in itself if um, if you look at uh, the political landscape um, of that country at the moment but uh, we won't delve too far into that rabbit hole I just wanted to um, kind of round that circle out and uh, from, from midway through the interview so lots to um, lots to think about there reach out to um, Hodlinor he loves the banter as well on Twitter uh, you'll get some responses from him some shares retweets likes answers DM him uh, you know, he's fully open, uh, big part of the community. 
really look forward to uh, to meeting him one day and um, yeah, carrying on and uh, getting to know him a bit more and building a, uh, a relationship. So thanks as always, guys, for listening. Make sure you're stacking your sats. Get over to uh, coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten uh, or swan if you're in the US, swanbitcoin.com forward slash once bitten. Anywhere else in the world, go out, go and check out, go find the Friar. You know where he is, at Friar House on Twitter. He's your North Star for DCA. He, well, FCA, Fiat Cost Averaging. He'll be able to point you in the right direction, uh, depending on which country or jurisdiction that you are in. Look forward to the next show. Really enjoying um, all of this, guys. Um, let's keep going. It's time. <laughs> the bull is going gonna, is gonna to charge. Let's do it. Take care, guys, and I'll speak soon. Bye-bye.